So uh, open your Bibles tonight to the book of Deuteronomy, chapter number 3. I believe I've got enough material in this lesson, or this series. Uh, I've got three main sections, each of which will probably take three Sunday nights each. So I think we can carry this for nine weeks. We'll see. Uh but I'm titling the the series Onward Christian Soldiers. And uh, the tag phrase is a close look at how church, how a church with a past can have a bright future. You know, if the truth be known, any church that exists and has much of any history at all is going to have some old bones and old things that we dare not bring up or hope hope not to ever have to speak of or deal with because churches are made of people. And uh, I, my, my old pastor used to say all the time, if you find the perfect church, don't join it or you'll mess it up. <laughs> and uh, because we're, you know, people are people, you know, and, and, and the humorous side of that is you're not going to find a perfect church. Because we're all sinners saved by the grace of God, or some of us may not be saved. We're just plain old sinners without Him, right? <laughs> so either way, we're sinners. You know, some of us are saved, some of us may not be. Hopefully you are, but if you're not, you can you can get that fixed tonight. Amen. Uh, but regardless, churches have issues, they have problems. And the longer a church exists, the more history they have. The more stuff they have back yonder somewhere uh, that, depending upon how you respond to it, can determine whether or not you get victory over it, move on, or you die. And uh, the churches that thrive are the ones that learn to hang out at the foot of the cross and learn to uh, be liberal, as liberal with grace to others as God was with grace to them. Amen. And uh, and so let's look at this tonight. I'm going to be in Deuteronomy chapter 3. And before you question whether or not uh, I'm biblically sound in addressing an Old Testament passage to apply to the church, I just want to remind you that in the book of Acts, even the scripture referenced the church in the wilderness. Amen. And church is simply a gathering of God's people. And so uh, we are biblical in using that phraseology and making comparisons and analysis that we can learn from the congregation in the wilderness. Amen. Uh, so let's look at it. Deuteronomy chapter 3 and verse number 25. Moses is praying before he, uh, this is in his final days before he passes on. To the other side and he's talking to the Lord and he says I pray thee let me go over and see the good land that is beyond Jordan that goodly mountain and Lebanon but the Lord was wroth with me for your sakes now he's speaking to the congregation and would not hear me and the Lord said unto me let it suffice thee in other words, you're going to have to settle Moses for a no. Speak no more unto me of this matter. How would you like for God to tell you to quit asking him something? 
verse 27, he said, uh, Get thee up into the top of Pisgah, and lift up thine eyes westward and northward and southward and eastward, and behold it with thine eyes, for thou shalt not go over this Jordan. He said, I'm going to let you see it, but I'm not going to let you touch it. Verse 28, But charge Joshua, and encourage him, and strengthen him. For he shall go over before this people, and he shall cause them to inherit the land which thou shalt see. So we abode in the valley over against Beth Peor. Uh, the first section that I want to teach on in this series on Onward Christian Soldiers, I, I'm going to call Releasing the Joshua Generation. Releasing the Joshua Generation. Think about this for a minute. Moses and even uh, even uh, Joshua and Caleb have had to put up with this doubt and bunch for over 40 years. And uh, each had their issues. Um, Moses even had his issues. In fact, the reason God wouldn't let Moses go over is because the last time God told Moses, correct me if I'm wrong, Bible scholars, I believe he told him to speak to the rock, but he didn't just speak to it that second time. He smote it. And because he wasn't precise in his obedience, I like to describe him as a preacher with an attitude. He didn't just preach what God said, but he put a little bit of Moses in it. He said, I, I won't just tell them they need to repent. I'm going to put on a show for them. See what I'm saying? God didn't tell them to put on no show. You know, we do our, we do good to keep all of ourselves out of our preaching and just preach Jesus, right? And that's one of the things you can pray for your pastor, that Gary will stay out of it and Jesus will speak. Amen? Because you don't want Gary's attitude bleeding through. Because, you know, a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. I can spoil up an otherwise good message by putting too much attitude in it. And so Moses was disobedient to the Lord in that respect and forfeited the promised land for himself personally. And uh, and so he, Moses, is symbolic for us in this series of lessons on who might represent the older generation in our churches where you have seen, you have spent, let me, i got to be careful how I say this, you perhaps maybe have spent uh, your uh, most energetic days already, and you're praying that you, that what energy you have left and what uh, resources you have left that you can uh, invest into the next generation so that your legacy doesn't die with you, right? And so here Moses is. He's pretty much done in terms of uh, get, he's brought the children of Israel as far as he's going to take them. And now it's time for new leadership, Right? And so Moses has a choice, either do what God says or try to go over. And we know historically he, he did the right thing. But I wonder sometimes how many churches today will, would rather die than to invest in the next generation. Uh, sometimes churches get hung up on how it used to be so much to the point to where they don't have any vision of how to shape the church to adapt to a new generation. 
Now, I'm not talking about adapting your doctrine. I'm not talking about adapting, you know, getting new Bible versions. I'm not talking about changing the word, right? I'm just talking about uh, our attitudes, our perceptions. You know, we just, let's just face it, the younger generation today has their own unique set of problems and cultural issues that are shaping their world that are vastly different, even worlds apart from some of the older generation and the issues they've had to fight. And that doesn't make either generation uh, better than the other. It just means that we've got to recognize that there's a generational gap that we can either choose to fight over or figure out how to aid one another through the process of working together, right? And and so uh, for a church to continue to grow and to move forward, we must be willing to recognize new leadership and the need for new leadership and a new vision when God is ready to give that church said leadership. Amen. Uh, and so uh, point number one, which is all I will focus on tonight under releasing the John or, uh, Joshua generation, I want to say this. First, the church must revise their vision. They must revise their vision. Uh, three ways we do that. Number one, you've got to have upward mobility. Upward mobility. God told him, verse number 27, get thee up into the top of Pisgah. So, just because you may not be able to go the places that the next generation will be able to go to reach their generation doesn't mean that you don't have a job to do. Some people think that, well, if I can't be in the middle of it, then I don't need to do anything at all. And so they grow inactive in the church. They become stale and stagnant. Well, I can't relate to them. It's like they're speaking Greek. I don't even understand what they're saying. And so you just quit trying to connect altogether. That's not the answer. Amen. So you got to be able to get up, at, you know, uh, when he says, get thee up to me, that speaks of upward mobility. In other words, Moses was in a perhaps a seated position, certainly a, a, a low point of elevation, and God wanted to take Moses higher, right? So Moses still had a job to do. He had to get up and get moving. You still got a job to do. And I want to uh, commend those of you who have paid the price of patience to try to connect with the younger generation because my generation and the generation coming up behind me are not an easy group of people to connect with or to relate to because it is a completely different world. I mean, even the technology itself creates a gap of understanding in lingo and communication. And, and you know, there, we, we just have a set of problems on our hands that we're going to have to learn how to have a lot of patience and grace and understanding to work through, right? And so we could either be so critical that we just back out and sit down and let somebody else do it, or we can get up and keep moving, right? Onward, Christian soldiers. Amen. Keep moving for the glory of God. Do what you can. I'll deal with this point next week, uh, but at some point you've got to recognize and reach your limits. Okay? Once you know what your limits are, you've got to make sure that you reach your limits. Don't just define your limits and say, well, if I can't go any further than that, I'm going to do anything. Right? So we have our challenges. We've got to face our challenges. 
We've got to meet ourselves. Here Moses is an old man, and God's telling him to go up to the top of Mount Pisgah, and he didn't have a Ford Expedition to drive up a paved road to the top of that mountain. Amen. He had to walk up that mountain, perhaps ride a donkey, I don't know. But it was hard work. And even though the older generation may feel like you don't have much to contribute, your what you're going to see when you get to the top of your mountain is going to be vital to the next generation's ability to move forward. They're going to need your perspective. They're going to need your focus. They're going to need your undivided attention, and they're going to need your blessing. Amen? Now, they may act like they don't, but they do. And they may tell you they don't, but they'll come around. Don't worry about whether or not they either acknowledge or respect your contribution. You keep contributing anyway. Isn't that what Christ did for us? Amen. And so we've got to be willing to invest, even when it feels like we're wasting our time. Right? We've got to be willing to go the extra mile, keep sowing seeds into the next generation. We've got to revive our vision by being upwardly mobile. Amen. We've got to change our position so that we can change our perspective. Let me ask you two questions. Number one, how is your posture? And number two, where is your position? Because if you show me your posture and your position, I'll show you your perspective. If you're always low in attitude and perspective, mully grubbing, whining and complaining about how wicked this... Well, in my generation, we didn't do that kind of junk. They ought to know better. I raised them better than that. And you can just keep on uh, cursing the darkness or you can choose a light of candle. But as long as you stay low, your perspective is going to be low. You gotta, you gotta elevate. You gotta get up. You gotta keep going forward. Keep going beyond. Amen. Go past where you're at. Amen. So upward mobility. Number two, outward thinking. He said, lift up thine eyes westward, northward, southward, eastward. One thing I appreciate about the, my very first deacons meeting here was the deacons meeting was not maintenance mode. It was vision mode. And I was rejoicing in my heart when I left that deacons meeting that day. And I even called some preacher friends of mine and said, you're not going to believe this, basically is what I said. Uh, first deacons meeting I've ever been to where they were thinking about what to do next to reach people. And not how are we going to pay our light bills, how are we going to keep the lights on. Maintenance mode versus vision mode, right? And, and you've got to uh, have an outward way of thinking. What I mean by that is... Uh, you got to look outside of these four walls that we call church and realize that the future church is out there. The future church is not even in here yet. Some of them are, but not the majority of the ones that God wants to save. So if we focus entirely on what's going on right here at this physical building, we're going to miss out, aren't we? And so God has called us to have not only upward mobility, but outward thinking, to have an, uh, a, a missions mindset. The Bible said in Philippians 2, 4, Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. So many churches dry up on the vine and die because they were inward focused. You know what I'm saying? They're, they're thinking in terms of, uh, you know, us for and no more mentality. What can we do to survive in these times? Let's just uh, hunker down and hold out till Jesus comes. And, 
and just focus on us and ours. And and don't give much attention at all to the needs of the community. Focus so entirely on members. And by the way, I, I appreciate the legal barriers that the structure of church membership provides for a church in a world and in a country where we have laws and we have to have some way of defining what membership is. Uh, but membership should never be treated as like a like a like you have fringe benefits just because your name is on the church roll. Right? The church should have the attitude and spirit that we're here to minister to you whether your name is on the church roll or not. Right? And we're not just here to minister to the ones that are sitting on the pews. We're here to go out and find those in the community that need minister to and offer what Jesus gives us to offer them. Whatever that is. As limited as it may be, do your best to minister to somebody outside of the church, right? And that's that's uh, outward thinking. The Bible said this, uh, talking about changing your mindset. You see, he had to go and he had to look in all directions. He had to quit looking at where who he was in the moment and who he was in the past. And he had to start looking ahead. God wanted Moses to see uh, exactly all the places that he was going to allow Joshua to overcome in the promised land. And so he wasn't going to let him go there, but he wanted him to capture the vision. And there's a reason for that. Because he needed the hope that would live in Moses as a result of capturing the vision to be infused in the heart of Joshua. And I'll take you to the text later in this series, and we'll probably repeat it over and over again. But ultimately, Moses encouraged Joshua. And even God said, fear not to Joshua over and over again. Can you imagine stepping into the shoes of the giant Moses? Could you imagine the insecurities that Joshua was having to face? Could you imagine how much he desperately needed encouragement from the leader called Moses before he passed away? Let me ask you a question. What if Joshua didn't have Moses? That is, what if Joshua didn't have the advantage of Moses capturing the vision that was attached to the hope that he would need to infuse in Joshua? You know, I, I don't, I, the scripture, I may be reading between the lines here, but I could imagine a conversation, something like, you know, Joshua, this is Moses. Uh, I've been up to the mountain and I was looking around and God spoke to me about some things and he showed me all the land he's going to give. And I want to tell you something. You got your job cut out for you, but God's going to be with you every step of the way. And as I was up there, I could see God just opening up doors and conquering giants for you. And I want to tell you right now that God, the same God that's been with me, is the same God that's going to be with you. I wish I was there when he gave him that charge, don't you? Wouldn't you? Amen. This, listen, uh, there, there, there needs to be no generational gap in the church. And young people, listen to me. You may not always understand or agree with the older generation, but you need their wisdom. You need their counsel. Amen. You need their advice. They've been places. They've done things. They've made mistakes that you can learn from so you don't have to repeat their mistakes. It's time that we realize that there's something that each generation can contribute to the other and receive from the other. 
There's no need in us being separate. We need to work together. Amen. And so this, this requires outward thinking. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That word transform comes from the Greek word from which we get our English word metamorphosis. My memory serves me correctly. And uh, isn't that what a butterfly goes through? Right? Nothing but a worm at first. Right? And then it turns into a beautiful butterfly. Be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Some of us just got some stinking thinking that we've got to get rid of. And we're going to have to let the Word of God purge our mind, purge our heart, recondition our thinking so that we can have a positive attitude about our ability to effect good and positive change in the next generation. Until you breathe your last breath, God's not done with you yet. Some teenager needs an old grandpa to walk up to him and hug their neck and say, look, look, I'm praying for you. Is there anything I can do for you? You know, uh, just just be there for them. And you may not have a grandchild, but you may can be that kind of an influence to somebody. Amen? Uh, there, there are a lot of kids in this community that don't have a decent home life. And if there was just one person that would walk into their life consistently, that is their uh, north star. Amen? Uh, just being present for them can make all the difference in the world in how they turn out and what they end up doing and being. And I'm talking about you got to have some outward thinking. you gotta, you got to figure out what is preventing you as an older generation from taking the steps necessary to connect with and influence the younger generation. And it's probably going to be different for everybody. But between you and the Lord, you're going to have to pray about it and ask the Lord, is there anything standing in my way? And if there is, show me and teach me how to overcome it. But there's no need in just settling for, well, I've seen my best days. I guess I'll just sit back and let them have it. No, they can't take it without your commission. They can't take it without your encouragement. They may try, but they'd be a lot more successful if you would jump in there and give them a little wind of encouragement. Amen? So that's what we're talking about. Outward thinking. You know, don't think that it's over just because you're at a certain age or what have you. Because there's a generational gap or whatever. You've got to be willing to address the issues. Uh, I'm talking about revising your vision. Don't accept what was. Go for what shall be. Amen? Because let's just face it, they're not going to have the same world that you had growing up. They don't have the same world you had growing up now. Shoot, you don't even have the same world you had growing up. And we're not going to recreate it. Them days are gone. You, you remember the old movie, Gone with the Wind? Uh, they're going to have to have a new reality, and God's going to have to meet them where they're at and help them fight their giants and their different-looking giants. They may be the same old devils, but they're different set of circumstances. Amen. So we're going to just have to infuse hope and faith and vision in them with some outward thinking. And then the last thing is inward reflection. Uh, look at verse 27 again. Get thee up into the uh, top of Mount Pisgah. Lift up thine eyes westward, northward, southward, eastward. Behold it with thine 
eyes. The word behold means to see, to look at, to inspect, to perceive, and to consider. It's more than just a quick glance. It's, a, it's an intentional observation with the purpose of reflection. God wanted Moses not only to go up there and look at the land, but to think about and meditate, to perceive and consider and inspect, to, to take it all in and capture the fullness of the vision that God had for Joshua and his generation. But this required some inward reflection because he had to use his own eyes. He had to look beyond his own personal issues. And he had to look beyond what was, right? And he had to look forward. And so your vision is going to be bigger than you. And it's going to involve more than you, right? It's going to involve more than us. Uh, a church and a family that prays together and worships together and serves together stays together. You know the best way to infuse faith in the next generation? I'm convinced of it. And maybe we'll do an extra study just on this thought. It's not just telling them what they ought to do, but serving God alongside them. In the, in the corporate world, we call it on-the-job training. Don't just send your kids on a mission trip. Go with them on the mission trip. Don't just drop them off at a youth function. Uh, ride with them and sit with them. Amen. And when the preacher's preaching hot and heavy, elbow him a little bit every once in a while and say, did you hear that? Man, that was some good stuff, right? That's right. Soak it in with him. And I know this is not always practical, but the principle's there. And what we need to focus on is not so much saying as showing. You got to say, but you got to show too. That's what Jesus did. He took 12 average and order amen and turned, up, turned the world upside down with him. In fact, I would dare say that they were not just average and ordinary, but they were below average. <laughs> yes, they were. <laughs> uh, did they not say they were ignorant and unlearned men? But they took note of them that they'd been with Jesus. Amen. And I, I said this in a meeting earlier. Uh, we was having our uh, our council meeting. Uh, reaching the next generation is not that complicated. You know what it really boils down to? Love. After all the noise and after all the bells and whistles and the shiny objects and the smoke machines and the glittering lights and all the junk that this these uh, uh, some places has tried to do to attract young people and they was not able to retain what they attracted, the reason they couldn't retain what they attracted is because they didn't attract it with the right thing. If you'll win somebody with a light show, when the light show's over, you've already lost them. But if you'll win somebody with an undying love of Christ and a commitment to their betterment, 
you'll never lose that one because they know where they're loved. Now, don't get me wrong. They may make some, still make some mistakes, and they may still, uh, you know, not always be faithful. But they'll know who loves them in their time of need. And they'll know where home is whenever they're in the far country. Uh, you could spend literally a magical moment, for lack of better terms, with a child. And be the only person that spoke a word of kindness to them in months. And they will cherish that moment for the rest of their lives. And age has nothing to do with it. They just need to know that somebody loves them. And you've got to understand, they may not always understand that when you want to coach them biblically away from sin, they may not always at first recognize that as tough love so you might need to approach it softly at first and just show them that you're a friend first maybe take them out and go fishing with them or something i don't know spend some good quality time with them win their heart and then the the doors will open up where you can have deep spiritual conversations with them i'm talking about bridging the gap i'm talking about thinking outwardly i'm talking about um Inward reflection. we got to work on ourselves before we can work on the next generation. Amen? And so with that being said, uh, I want to close with this verse. Psalm chapter 71 and verse 18. Now also, when I am old and gray-headed... O God, forsake me not until I have showed thy strength unto this generation and thy power to everyone that is to come. Boy, that would be a powerful prayer for all of us to pray. Lord, don't let me die until I have showed your strength to this generation. And, And I just want to ask you, what part have you played, and 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 do you, has your vision been off? Has it been blurred? Has it been? Have you been distracted? Have you been discouraged? Have you been despondent? Have you been sitting on the sidelines, uh, waiting on somebody else to reach this next generation? Or has God called you back to service tonight, to get up, to be upward in your mobility, to be outward in your thinking, thinking, and to be inward in your reflection? If we're willing to take the necessary changes, make the necessary changes that's required, then God can position us to release what I call the Joshua generation, the next generation that will be in charge of the church. Amen. But let me tell you something. If we don't win them, they won't even be here to take charge. So we've got to do our part. And many of you are. But I think the Lord wants to enlist a lot more of you in the service of the Lord. So as soldiers of Christ, we can march onward and we can see it, see our legacy live on even past, you know, even when we're dead and gone, the church is still going on. Amen. So that's part, that's that's lesson number one. Next week, we will focus more specifically on the thought of recognizing and reaching 
our limitations. There's a reason I chose that terminology, but you'll have to come next Sunday night for me to teach it to you. Amen. So let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray that you would help us, Lord, as a church to learn what it's going to take to preserve, Lord, not our cultural preferences, but to preserve the truth and transforming power of your word for the next generation. Because times change, but your word does not. And God, we need to be able to reach the next generation. And we pray that you would teach us how to do that in spite of all of the obstacles. And we'll preach and teach more on that later too. In spite of all, any history, any hang-ups. Lord, a lot of the hang-ups is just our own lack of vision. Just our own lack of motivation. Uh, Lord, some of us just can't get past what somebody said or did to us or whatever. Or, or, Lord, don't want to go down that road. But God, would you help us as a church to realize that there are bigger things at play right now than some of our petty issues that we sometimes hold so close to our heart that don't really make that much of an eternal difference. So help us to set aside the petty stuff. And Lord, help us to major on the major. And to win our children and our grandchildren and the next generation. In Jesus' name we pray. God's people say amen.